known by love. I wanna be known by love. Known by love. I grew up watching all of the Star Wars movies. Uh, I loved watching Luke Skywalker use his green lightsaber to defeat all of the bad guys throughout the galaxy. And I did think it was weird when, um, when Luke Skywalker kissed Princess Leia. Um, that was weird, I'm still not quite over that yet. That was his sister. But other than that, I loved Star Wars. And then in 1987, a Star Wars spoof came out in the movies. Anybody seen this? Spaceballs. Uh, and then in the late 1980s and uh, early 1990s, when I'd come from school, I would watch Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, I was always more of a Star Wars guy than a Star Trek guy. Any of you guys Trekkies out there? Um, I grew up watching Captain Jean-Luc Picard uh, captain the Starship Enterprise as they travel throughout the galaxies. And then in 1994, in the movie Star Trek Generations, Jean-Luc Picard meets Captain Kirk, the original captain of the Starship Enterprise. And Captain Kirk, of course, was played by William Shatner. And I don't know if you saw this or not, but back in October, a 90-year-old William Shatner flew to space. Check out this clip. And not to have this? You have done something. I mean, whatever those other guys are doing, what, it, what isn't, they don't, I don't know about that. What you have given me is the most profound experience I can imagine. Uh, I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. I, I just, it's extraordinary, extraordinary. I hope I never recover from this. I hope that I can uh, maintain what I feel now. I, I don't want to lose it. It's so... so much larger than, than me of life. And it hasn't got anything to do with the little green planet, the blue orb, and the, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the enormity and the quickness and the suddenness of life and death of the all life. When I first saw that interview, I was so moved by it. It was so powerful. Um, what does that have to do with the fruits of the spirit? Captain Kirk, William Shatner blasting off into space. You're gonna find out at the very end of the sermon. Today we begin a brand new sermon series called Fresh, where we're gonna be looking at and focusing in on the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter five. We originally planned for this to be a four week sermon series leading into Super Sunday, the, the day of the Super Bowl, but uh, I just really get this sense that it is going to be a catalytic series for so many of us as we become the kind of people God has called us to be, but also a really catalytic series for us here at Prodigal Church. And so we may spend the beginning portion of 2022 camped out in these two Bible verses for several weeks. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter five, we'll start at verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. We're gonna memorize those together over the next several weeks. Say them with me again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is about becoming the kind of person God has called us to be, the you you were meant to be. Now, Paul wrote this letter to Christians found in the region of Galatia roughly 2,000 years ago. And he spends much of the letter speaking into an enormous debate that was happening in the early church. It was about whether or not new Christians should have to follow the Jewish law, the Jewish Torah, the Old Testament law. And laws like circumcision were a really big deal in the Old Testament. And so the early church, they began to experience a lot of growth. People began to follow Jesus. And then you've got some Jewish Christians who said, hey, before you begin following Jesus to really be a part of us, you kind of got to get, got to get snipped. Okay. Can you imagine that if I said here at Prodigal that to join the church, we're going to do a small procedure on the most delicate part of a man. This would make half of us very uncomfortable. And it wasn't just about circumcision. There are 612 more rules, more laws found in the Old Testament scriptures. And so these Christians were going to have to sign on to obey all 613 of them. It was a non-starter for Gentiles in this season. And so Paul is writing forcefully in his letter that it's not about the letter of the law. It is about the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law is about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. When I was first a Christian, I was taught that uh, music that I would listen to was bad. Um, music, by music I mean secular, yeah, the S word, secular music, that it was bad. And that if I really wanted to please Jesus, that I would take all of my 90s alternative grunge albums and burn them. I couldn't sell them because I didn't want anyone else to be led astray by their lyrics, right? When the light's out, it's less dangerous. Here we are now, entertain us. Okay, this still breaks my heart that I wrecked those CDs. The Christianity I was raised in, the Christianity I was saved in, was a Christianity about bearing burdens, not about bearing fruit. I was bearing the burden of rule following. This was right, this was wrong. This was good, this was bad. Good, Bible reading, church attendance, missions trips. Bad, drinking, partying, lust. And I just wanna say that, that that's correct, okay? Those things are correct, but the emphasis is wrong. It was about behavior modification. It got the right behavior out of me. It got the right habits into me, but it didn't lead to a transformed heart. It didn't lead to a transformed life. Now, there are some benefits to rule-based Christianity. There was some appeal 2,000 years ago in Paul's letter to the Galatians, and there are still some appeals to rule-based Christianity now. There is some appeal to the black and white, right and wrong. And the greatest benefit of rule-based Christianity is control. Clear boundaries guarantees that no one gets out into the wild. Nobody gets in that shouldn't get in. And if someone gets in that shouldn't get in, we got to make sure that we change their behavior so they act like us. And if someone leaves, someone leaves that shouldn't leave. If someone asks questions, they should not ask. If someone comes to conclusions that they should not arrive to, 
We need to make an example of them. We tell everybody about how bad they are and how good we are. All the while, we never leave our safe pasture and experience the wild and beautiful world that lies beyond these boundaries we often call the church. I lived this way for a long time, and there are some perks. Rule-based Christianity has its benefits. Be good, choose right, go to church. My job was to live in such a way that kept God cooperating with my plan. That if I do all the right things, then God will do all the right things back. And you get safety, you get good people, you get great intentions, you get a world and a worldview that keeps everyone and everything in its proper place, but you don't get love. Rule-based Christianity may seem to give good results at first, but wait until the kids leave home, or the student is faced with an opposing viewpoint, or the church member faces an unexpected spiritual crisis. Control sabotages character growth. If you want a robot, increase control. But if you want a whole, holy, spiritually mature human being, you've got to let them make choices for themselves. And it's risky. It requires more freedom than most of us are comfortable with. But if what you desire is love, connection, heart, loyalty, joy, and maturity for those in your sphere of influence, control is not the way to go. With the fruit of the Spirit, the Greek word for fruit is singular. The fruit, singular, of the Spirit is love. There's one fruit. It's love. And then there are eight other manifestations of that love in our lives. But it's all one fruit. John 13 says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Christianity is about love, not rules. Some of you might be thinking, but isn't it about rules, right? Like do what you can do, what you can't do. No, it isn't. And if your Christianity has only been about following the rules, what's right, what's wrong, then you're doing it wrong. There are no rules then, right? Then woohoo, sinning, let's go crazy. No, no, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, two examples to further elaborate on what I do mean by this. Okay, so I'm sitting at coffee uh, with Pastor Eric, and we're at a coffee house, and we're talking about fantasy football and how his team won the championship in the Prodigal Church Fantasy Football League, and mine didn't, and we're also talking about the NFL playoffs, and we just get caught up in having a great conversation and drinking a great latte, and I realize that uh, it's getting late, and I'm going to be late for dinner, so I call Sarah, and I say, hey, I'm going to be about 20 or 30 minutes late for dinner. I'm so sorry. Now, when Sarah and I got married 15 years ago, there was no rule or law or fine print that said on our marriage license that if one or either of us is going to be late, 30 minutes or more late for dinner or for some kind of uh, meeting or get together, that we had to let the other person know, okay? That's not in the fine print. I did that because it was the loving thing to do. It was the other-centered thing to do. In a loving marriage, the letter of the law isn't important. Love takes precedence. Doing what is best for the other person. Uh, another example. Uh, you can ask me this question. John, do you hit your wife? John, do you, do you hit Sarah? Do you beat her up? And uh, I hope it wouldn't take you very long to know that the answer is absolutely no. Okay? No, I don't. 
But this would be interesting if I went on to tell you why. Why don't I hit her? Well, because I've done my homework and I know that in the state of California, it would be considered spousal abuse and it would be assault. And that's a criminal offense. She could press charges and I could be arrested. And if I were arrested, then I could go to jail. And frankly, I hear that the orange jumpsuits that they make you wear in jail make your butt look big. And so I work my way back from that and say, I'm a smart enough guy to know, better not hit my wife. Because for me and my Heine, orange is not the new black, okay? So you've got the right behavior out of me. But am I involved in a loving decision? There's no love there. There's self-preservation according to the letter of the law. And that is the way of law. That is what Paul is combating in Galatians chapter 5. The way of Christ is not law. It is rather asking the question, what kind of dynamic should I have in relationship to others? What's the loving way? And if I get that right, the correct behavior will naturally flow out of that. It's all about love. It's not about law. Even the reasons why we don't sin is because of love. Look at Joseph. Joseph runs away from a, a compromising situation and the beautiful woman is, who's a wife of another man is throwing herself at him. And Joseph runs away and he says, how could I do such a thing and hurt my master and hurt God? Because he loved her husband, he chose not to sleep with her. Because he loved his God, he chose not to sleep with. Love was the reason he fled, not because it said it in a book. St. Augustine said nearly 1700 years ago, love and do what thou wilt. See, he understood intrinsically that if our heart is set on loving God and loving others, the correct behavior will always flow naturally from us. It's not about rules. But if you don't have clear rules, if you don't have clear lines, clear boundaries, then anything goes. People can so easily be led astray. No, not if we're tethered to Jesus. We're going to look at this verse more in the weeks to come, but look at what Jesus says in John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We are branches. He is the vine. If we want to bear fruit, if we want to bear love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, we stay connected to the vine. We stay connected to Jesus. When we remain in him, he moves us out of rules and into love. With Jesus, it's love that rules, not rules. One of the ways that this control aspect of law-based Christianity takes a hold and manifests um, in the church nowadays, um, I saw firsthand in so many ways when I was a youth pastor for 11 years. There were students who were born and raised in the church and within these four walls and they lived a good Christian life. And then when they went off to college or they became adults or jumped into their career and started rubbing elbows with people of different cultures, of different faiths, of different uh, backgrounds, different points of view, things begin to get rocky for them because uh, they're beginning to encounter truth and beauty and love in places that they were told it cannot be found. And it begins to wreck their worldview. I can't tell you how many college students have said, I've got no problem with the resurrected Jesus, but it's the closed-mindedness of Christians that, that bothers me. 
Paul would say the same thing. And really what they're saying is they've got a problem with Christian tribalism. We grow up, we're in these tribes, and we experience truth outside of the tribes. I just want to let everybody know this, that Jesus will always be bigger than your tribe. Sometimes when people say gospel, they really mean uh, a tribal identity masquerading as the gospel. And you have to make sure that when you j just because you say Jesus, Bible, and church doesn't mean you're not just doing the same old tribal talk. Jesus will always transcend our tribes. He transcended the Jewish tribe in the first century, and that was just a massive wall that fell down. And he transcends walls today. And he always moves us beyond the four walls of the church into the wild to be all that God has called us to be. In the first century, when Paul is rejecting circumcision and rejecting rule-based Christianity and rejecting law-based Christianity, he's not rejecting rules. He's rejecting Christian tribalism. He's rejecting a faith that tries to control people instead of love people. He's rejecting a faith that we can master. And he's pointing us to a faith that shows Jesus by how we live and by how we love. Not by the rules we follow, but by the fruit of the Spirit. Not by bearing burdens, but by bearing fruit. And I truly believe that this is impossible to overestimate in the Christian culture today. There are so many cultural Christian rules, activities, things to buy, things to avoid, that we wrap up our Christianity with cultural Christianity. And we end up with the fruits of Christian culture instead of the fruits of the Spirit. And Jesus offers us a better way. One more verse to bring this truth home. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. This is reiterated so many times throughout the scriptures. Are we crystal clear now on what should be the governing principle of all of our actions as disciples? Are we clear on the one characteristic that should define followers of Jesus? It's not about your CDs. It's not about church attendance. It's not about your knowledge of the Bible. It's not even about how good of a person you are. John, Paul, George, and Ringel were right. It's all about love. All you need is love. Love is all you need. A friend of mine has an aquarium in his house. And he began to tell me that sharks were one of the most popular um, uh, fish to go into an aquarium. And I thought that's insane. Okay, I, I don't want a shark in anywhere near my house. And so he said, no, sharks can stay proportionate to the size of their aquarium. And so you could have a small aquarium and have a six inch shark that is fully grown as an adult. They stay the same size that is proportionate to their surroundings. And I think this is so true for us as Christians today. I have seen some of the cutest little six inch Christians swimming around our church aquariums, fully grown yet stunted. And if they were to be thrown into the wild ocean where there's waves and there's storms and there's dangers, yes, but it is only there where they can fully become all that God has called them to be, to grow, the, to, the kind of love and the kind of person God has called them to be. Some get to know Jesus by seeing the light. But most, it's from feeling the heat. 
being near to people who love Jesus and love them, that there is a warmth that they are drawn to. And so, yeah, some people might follow Jesus because they see the light, but more often than not, it's because they experience the warmth radiating out of a genuine love for Christ found in Jesus' disciples. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And that takes me back to Captain Kirk, William Shatner. What does he have to do? What does him going off into space have to do with the fruits of the Spirit? Well, here's the thing. In 1966, William Shatner started pretending to be an astronaut. And he spent most of his life pretending to be an astronaut, even when he had other roles. He was always considered Captain Kirk. The guy that got to pretend to be an astronaut until the age of 90, when he finally became an astronaut. Let's watch again what it's like when a man goes from pretending to actually being. What you have given me is the most profound experience I can imagine. I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. I, I just, it's extraordinary, extraordinary. I hope I never recover from this. I hope that I can uh, maintain what I feel now. I, I don't want to lose it. It's so, it's so much larger than, than me and life. And it hasn't got anything to do with the little green planet, the blue orb, and the, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the enormity and the quickness and the suddenness of life and death of the almighty. I hope I never recover from this. I want you to be a real Christian, not one who pretends or acts but in the deepest parts of who you are, the Holy Spirit is working on you to bear fruit, to form you and to shape you into love. God, and that you may manifest may our lives love. reflect in joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God, May our lives reflect the fruits of the Spirit, not the fruits of Christian culture. God, move us out of our boxes into the great world to transform it in Jesus' name with love. God, help us not to be, help us not to stunt our growth. Help the church not to stunt our growth. God, we pray for this. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. Next week, we tackle week two in Fresh, the Fruits of the Spirit, and we can't wait. We hope you have an amazing week. Peace in the Middle East.